0: My fists to hide their trembling, and cross to the rickety stairs. While Guillo fortifies himself with one last tankard of ale, I climb up to the loft and the bed I will now share with him. I sorely miss my mother, for even though she was afraid of me, surely she would have given me a woman's counsel on my wedding night. But both she and my sister fled long ago, one back into the arms of death and the other into the arms of a passing tinker. I know, of course, what goes on between a man and a woman. Our cottage is small, and my father, loud. There was many a night when urgent movement accompanied by groans filled our dark cottage. The next day, my father always looked slightly less bad-tempered, and my mother more so. I tried to convince myself that no matter how distasteful the marriage bed is, Surely, it can't be any worse than my father's raw temper and meaty fists. The loft is a close, musty place that smells as if the rough shutters on the far wall have never been opened. A timber and rope bed frame holds a mattress of straw. Other than that, there are only a few pegs to hang clothes on and a plain chest at the foot of the bed. I sit on the edge of the chest and wait. It doesn't take long. A heavy creak from the stairs warns me that Guillo is on his way. My mouth turns dry and my stomach sour. Not wanting to give him the advantage of height, I stand. When he reaches the room, I finally force myself to look at his face. His piggish eyes gorge themselves on my body, going from the top of my head down to my ankles, then back up to my breasts. My father's insistence on lacing my gown so tight has worked, as Gwillow can look at little else. He gestures with his tankard toward my bodice, slopping ale over the side so that it dribbles to the floor. Remove it. Desire thickens his voice. I stare at the wall behind him, my fingers trembling as I raise them to my laces. But not fast enough, never fast enough. He takes three giant strides toward me and strikes me hard across the cheek. Now, he roars as my head snaps back. Bile rises in my throat, and I fear I'll be sick. So this is how it will be between us. This is why he was willing to pay three silver coins. My laces are finally undone, and I remove my bodice so that I stand before him in my skirt and shift the stale air which only moments before was too warm is now cold as it presses against my skin your skirt he barks breathing heavily i untie the strings and step out of my skirt as i turn to lay it on the nearby bench guillo reaches for me he is surprisingly quick for one so large and stupid but i'm quicker I have had long years of practice escaping my father's rages. I jerk away, spinning out of his reach, infuriating him. In truth, I give no thought to where I will run, wishing only to hold off the inevitable a little longer. There is a loud crash as his half-empty tankard hits the wall behind me, sending a shower of ale into the room. He snarls and lunges, but something inside me won't, can't, make this easy for him. I leap out of his reach. But not far enough. I feel a tug, then hear a rip of cloth as he tears my thin, worn chemise. Silence fills the loft. A silence so thick with shock that even his coarse breathing has stopped. I feel his eyes rake down my back, take in the ugly red welts and scars the poison left behind. I look over my shoulder to see his face has gone white as new cheese, his eyes wide. When our glances meet, he knows, knows that he's been duped. He bellows, then, a long, deep note of rage that holds equal parts fury and fear. Then his rough hand cracks against my skull and sends me to my knees. The pain of hope dying is worse than his fists and boots.